Today's sermon comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. My friends, it is a joy to be with you in worship. We have the blessing and the privilege to hear from a guest preacher today, the Reverend Dr. Don Saliers from Candler. He spent uh, nearly a decade teaching at Yale Divinity School, and while he was there, he was a colleague of a spiritual hero of mine, Henry Nowen. And while he was at Candler, he, he worked with a lot, of, um, a lot of you will know the man's name, Fred Craddock, who's one of our heroes around here, as well as Desmond Tutu. As a younger minister uh, and theologian, I, I just absolutely geek out on hearing him talk about the people that he has worked with over the years. But there are younger scholars right now working at Candler that love to talk about that they got to work with this man. He has been an expert in music and worship. He's an organist. He's going to be our retreat speaker for our leadership retreat in a couple months. And we're going to learn from him at the event about how to use the Psalms in our worship. Uh, Amongst his many books that he's written, I have this one on my shelf, A, a Song to Sing, A Life to Live, that he, he co-wrote with his daughter, Emily Saliers, and she's known by some of you as being one of the Indigo Girls and uh, a restaurateur here in town. So he's got deep roots here, and his, uh, his ministry spread not just to his children, but to so many students. Would you give him a proper peach tree welcome as he takes the pulpit today?
and I do feel welcomed in this distinguished parish in Atlanta. Your work, your worship, the arts that flourish here are great gifts. And I am gifted uh, with your presence and glad to be part of your worship this morning. I don't know what you think, but every time I read that first chapter of John's Gospel, I'm astonished all over. It's an amazing first chapter because you remember how it begins with extraordinary, in the beginning, arrival to Genesis. No, I say it surpasses Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word then took on human flesh and dwelt among us. So transcendent language, extraordinary. And this mystery of God who created everything through the Word now coming to be one of us. As the old gospel song, I scarce can take it in. And we should never take it for granted that that's the way John's gospel starts. But then, in the reading we had just now, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. And a couple guys are walking around the street and John the Baptist is in this great window here, by the way. There's a lot of theology in your windows, in case you missed it. And so John points to Jesus walking by and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Can you, can you guess what was in Andrew's mind? A man called the Lamb of God. And then, of course, we hear this story of the calling of the first disciples. And John says, uh, This is Jesus, the Lamb of God. And uh, Andrew goes and gets his brother, who's going to be called Peter, also means the rock, by the way. Some rock we learn about in the story. But then comes this curious thing about four o'clock in the afternoon. From the transcendence of all things in the creation, we get, it's about four o'clock and there are people in the street. And that's, that's the amazement. Because Jesus then says, well, what are you looking for? He might have said, well, what do you want to hear? Who do you want to see? Where do you want to go? And they say, well, where do you live? And what he says then changes everything. And it should change everything for us. Come and see. Come and see where I live. Come and hear what I have to say. I have no doubt that Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and all the gang, starting with those guys from Bethsaida, didn't really know what they were about to hear and see. What we know now, they did not know then. The great thing is that they followed and they went to see and hear. And the gospel unfolds then. So at four o'clock in the afternoon, he says, Andrew, Simon, Peter, about four in the afternoon, suddenly enter a journey that changes everything. 
a journey into the heart and mystery of God who created all things and now comes as one of us. Just like us, walking about. This is the amazing thing to me. What Jesus is going to say and do, he will continue to say and do. Right here in River City, I mean right here in Atlanta, I mean right here in this room, I mean right here in your lives. This is all the theology I know, dear friends, that what Jesus said and did, he now says and does, and will not stop saying and doing until the rule and reign of God comes in fullness. That's it. But nonetheless, we better follow up. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see how he calls human beings to follow. Come and see how he encounters the woman at the well. Come and see when the water was turned into wine. Come and see how he encounters the poor and the sick and the lame and the sightless and the suffering. Oh yes, and the rich too, and powerful and the poor the despised of the world and the high and mighty of the world, come and see where he walks and dwells with us over tyrannies and republics alike, the high and the low, he comes to dwell. That's the mystery. Recently I was asked to teach a Sunday school class and the topic was, how can we speak of God and one woman said, no, the point is, how dare we speak of God? And how ought we to speak of God? And a wonderful 92-year-old woman, I can always count on her, can't you? The wisdom of the elders said, oh, I remember that St. Augustine said, and I thought, I came for this. This is what a theologian likes in Sunday school classes. I came for it. She said, St. Augustine said, you know, you can't look directly into the sun but only because of the sun do you see anything at all. I just sat down, that was the end of the Sunday school class right there. But that business of the sun, the brightest thing we know, we cannot look into the sun without being blinded, but it's by the light of the sun that we see anything. So come and see. What do you wanna see? What do you wanna hear? What does this society of ours want to see? and here, and you can name the names, but the question is, do we see? Do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? So our story this morning takes us from the most transcendent light of the sun into which we dare not look for being blinded, and even in the Old Testament, you can't look upon God and live. But it's only by virtue of that sun, that light, that transcendent word, do we see and hear and taste and touch anything at all. So, how do you see? What do you see? Well, there's Paul and Silas singing hymns in a prison. And then centuries later, there's Martin Luther King writing a letter from a prison. 
What do you see? What do you hear? Nelson Mandela, also in a prison. And blessed Archbishop Tutu, who, when he joined our faculty, walked into the first faculty meeting and said, oh, just call me Arch. <laughs> Dancing with his congregation out of that cathedral in South Africa, right across the guns of the apartheid, the apartheid enforcers. What do you see? St. Francis praising the whole creation, sun and moon and sister death and waters. I dare say if he went on, he would name the armadillos, I suspect. St. Francis, what do you hear? What do you see? All of creation. And then Pope Francis writing a, an encyclical called Laudato Si. And if you haven't read it, read it. It's about our environment. It's about our responsibility. And Felicity and Perpetua, there facing martyrdom. And then the four nuns in El Salvador. Jesus dwells there. He speaks. What do you see? But also, what do you see? What do you hear? When your child, whom you taught so carefully over years to say thank you, and they said thank you, thank you, thank you, and one fine day walk, when you walk home, they're there and they say, thank you, mommy, thank you, daddy. You're in the kitchen and suddenly the child bursts in and says thank you. What do you see? What do you hear? That natural praise of the child who is delighted in the gifts just of being and creation what do you see? Then there's the B minor mass, and there's Rembrandt, and there's Gordon Parks, and there's the artists who cause us to see. I dare tell you, no, I don't need to tell this congregation. Jesus Christ, the word is there too, causing us to hear and see. Remember when Robert Shaw would gather us all in, and some of you were there, I know, I can see it in your eyes, and has a sing-along of the Messiah. And those voices singing, and some perhaps not even ever named the Messiah, now singing and hearing and seeing. Christ is there too. And, and lest we forget, an American president at a funeral in Charleston suddenly breaking into amazing grace. And any of us in that congregation and any of us watching it on TV could not help with broken voices and tear-stained eyes sing with him amazing grace. Christ was there too. What do you want to see in this world? Come and see. And this very week, of course, we celebrate in this city especially a man who, working with the garbage workers in Memphis, could say in a sermon before his own death, mine eyes have seen the glory, the glory of the word of God made flesh. I tell you, it's amazing. It's like the old gospel hymn, I scarce can take it in, that this God of all creation has come to dwell 
to be in our midst in all these ways through human voices and faces and deeds, difficult and glorious. That's, that's the message, that's the gospel, that's why you're here, that's why we search still as we go to follow him and see what he is doing and how he speaks. And of course, you know, we're trembling on the edge of Matthew 25 here because the question is asked later. When did we see you, Lord? When did we see you in prison? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you in the neighbor, in the despised, as well as the glorious? On Saturday mornings, most Saturday mornings, I have the privilege of working in the food pantry over on Ponce. Ponce de Leon, some of you I know do this. And yesterday I saw Jesus there. I heard him. Because David, a regular, helped John on crutches walk with his groceries back out into the street. And there it was. Jesus in the food, in that gesture of friendship, in that community. No, no, God won't leave us sightless. God will not leave us dumb. For he will come as of old, speaking and doing what we see in Jesus our Lord. And this is the amazing thing. If we dare, like those unknowing disciples in our story at four o'clock in the afternoon, oh, six o'clock, oh, midnight, nine in the morning, I don't care, some ordinary time you choose to say, I follow. Where do you dwell, Lord? I want to hear you speak again. He will. We will not be left by ourselves. He will come. For what he said and did then, he says and do, does now, and will not stop saying and doing until the kingdom of God breaks in. And then, like the disciples who followed, will say at the end, this was the Messiah. This is the Lamb of God. I know of no other way to say it, except that it's kind of like Flannery O'Connor once said, you know, that irascible Southern writer down in Milledgeville, suffering lupus and writing like mad. She once said, you know, some things are as clear as a sock in the jaw. And that's the way I feel about this gospel. It's that clear. It's clear as a sock in the jaw. It's as clear as a piece of bread and a cup shared. It's as clear as your love for neighbor. It's as clear as your struggle to love your neighbor. So it is when Jesus says, innocently enough, like we might say to someone, well, well come on over, come on, see, come, 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 come dwell here. 
I can hear Fred. I can hear Fred right now. Well, well, just just come on over and sit down. That's Fred Craddock. We all channel Fred sometime. Just come and see. And that's the gospel. That's the transcendent God come in our midst. Come and see. What will you see when you leave here? What do you see when you are here? That's the big question for us. Follow. Follow. Follow him. See where he dwells. See where he will give a home for you, your deepest desires for your life, for the world, for justice at last. For the love that moves the stars, said Dante. Come and see. Come and hear. Come and taste. Come and touch. Come to your senses, and the Lord of life will be there, as of old and now. And that may be all you need to know, except follow. Go, see, and hear. Or as the old gospel, as the old spiritual has it, go and tell John what you see and hear. <laughs> Go and tell John. Go and tell Betty. Go and tell Joe. Go and tell your friends what you see and hear. And just maybe, just maybe, the mystery will dawn on us what we have been given in this gospel, transcendent at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Amen.